The kingdom of heaven is like somebody took a very tiny mustard seed and planted it in the ground. Just one single tiny little mustard seed. And they plant it in the ground. And that mustard seed grows in this good soil and it grows up and it becomes a very large bush. In fact, this, large, this mustard seed doesn't just grow up into a large bush. It grows up into a tree. A massive tree that produces great fruit and the birds can come and uh, find shade and rest in its branches. And as I read this story and as I am reading what other people have to say about this story, one of the common things that comes up is mustard seeds don't do that. I mean, yeah, mustard seeds are very small. I don't know if they're the smallest in the whole world, but they are very small. But mustard seeds don't grow up to be massive trees. And so then people start to go, well, were mustard seeds different at that time? And we start to overanalyze what's going on here, right? We, we start to overanalyze what is going on with this story because what he's talking about is a seed that is being planted in a garden. And it's a very small seed that becomes a very large bush. A very, very large bush. And for those of you who are familiar with the Old Testament prophets, you uh, likely recall this imagery. In fact, if you have been doing the Bible reading with us this year, some of us are reading through uh, the New Testament in a year and the Old Testament in a year. And if you happen to be reading through the Old Testament in, in a year, then one of the pictures that you read this last week was in Ezekiel chapter 31. And in Ezekiel chapter 31, it has very much this imagery. And we're going to get there, but I want to go back to Daniel first. In Daniel chapter 4, it says this. This is Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Persia speaking. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, and in this dream, he sees this tree in the middle of the earth that grows up, and it's enormous. And the fruit produces food for all flesh on all the earth, and everything comes and rests in its branches and finds rest beneath its shade, a place to dwell in this massive tree. And then in his dream, he's told that that tree is going to be chopped down. And he doesn't understand what this dream is about. And so he goes to uh, Daniel and he says, Daniel, Belteshazzar, what does this dream mean? And this is what he says in Daniel 4, verse 20. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong so that its top reached the heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade, and in whose branches the birds of the heaven have lived, it is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. 
And then he goes on to say, but you have been proud. And as God has promised that you as the tree will be cut down, you are going to be cut down. You are going to be humbled. But this imagery of this king represented in his dream as this tree that grows up this massive kingdom that provides food for all people and shelter for all people all the way to the ends of the earth. This is the picture that is uh, provided for King Nebuchadnezzar. Now again, in Ezekiel chapter 17. In Ezekiel 17 verse 22, Thus says the Lord God, I will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and I will set it out. I will break off from the topmost one of its young twigs, a tender one, and I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel I will plant it, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it will dwell every kind of bird, and in the shade of its branches birds of every sort will nest. And all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree, and I make high the low tree. Dry up the green tree, and make the dry tree to flourish. I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it. Again, a prophecy about a kingdom of Assyria that is going to grow and grow and become massive because God, the Lord, has planted it and will make it to be grow. Though it is small and frail, it will grow to be a massive tree. And again, to provide food for all and shelter for all. Then again, in Ezekiel chapter 31, this is a little bit longer, so I'm just going to read and you can just listen. Son of man, say to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to his multitude, whom are you like in your greatness? Behold, Assyria was a cedar in Lebanon with beautiful branches and forest shade and of towering height, its top among the clouds. The waters nourished it, the deep made it grow tall, making its rivers flow around the place of its planting, sending forth its streams to all the trees of the field. So it towered high above all the trees of the field. Its boughs grew large, its branches long from the abundant water in its shoots. All the birds of the heavens made their nests in its boughs. Under its branches, all the beasts of the field gave birth to their young, and under its shadow lived all great nations. It was beautiful in its greatness, in the length of its branches, for its roots went down to the abundant waters. The cedars in the garden of God could not rival it, nor the fir trees equal its boughs. Neither were the plain trees like its branches. No tree in the garden of God was its equal in beauty. I made it beautiful in the mass of its branches, and all the trees of Eden envied it that were in the garden of God. And then he's going to go on and say, but you have been proud, and you will be cut down. This image is used several times in the prophets about this tree that represents a king and a kingdom that grows and grows until it is massive and provides nourishment for all who will come to it. It provides shade and shelter for all who will come to it. And then again and again, this imagery of this proud king that because his kingdom has become so massive, he says, look at me, look at all that I have done, and the Lord promises, and because of that, you will be cut down. You will be cut down. Now we come back to this parable. 
Because Jesus tells this story and he says, now I want you to tell you about the story of a kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And suddenly, the imagery of what Jesus is trying to communicate here becomes very clear. Here we're talking about this very small little mustard seed that is being planted in the garden, and in this garden, this, this thing is going to grow. This plant is going to grow. This mustard plant is going to come, begin to grow, and it will grow into a bush, and then it will be, begin to grow beyond any kind of a mustard plant that you have ever seen. This is going to become a massive tree. This is going to become a massive tree so that all the birds of the air and everything else can come and find nourishment in this tree and shade and rest in its branches. This is the kingdom of heaven. Why is it so small? Why is it so small? Why does it have to start in, in such a puny, pathetic little way? Couldn't, couldn't God have come and said, look, I am God, I make kings, and I ruin kingdoms. And so when I come to become king of my creation, I am just going to come and do that, and I will come and all will bow to me like that. Just in an instant. He could do that. He's God. He could reveal himself in a moment. Come with a thunderclap from heaven and say, all now must bow to me. Repent or be rejected. And yet he didn't. He didn't. Instead, the very thing that we are anticipating now in Advent, the preparation for the coming of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus didn't come with a huge announcement. He didn't come with a thunderclap from heaven. He came as an infant. God took on flesh in a very humble way. And Jesus grow, grew in stature and in wisdom and in favor with God and man and began to teach and demonstrate for people what the kingdom of heaven is like. The way in which it provides hope, the way in which it provides nourishment, the way in which it transforms people's lives from being rejected to being accepted in coming to Jesus. And because Jesus is unlike these kings of the Old Testament, those proud kings who said, look at me and look at my kingdom, instead this king has humbled himself to become a servant. He has made himself small, though he is great in stature. Though there is no one more glorious than him in heaven or on earth, yet he became small. He humbled himself and begins to describe to people, look, you see how the sower is going and sowing the seed and some will accept it and will grow? That's what's happening now I'm sowing that seed even now. I am coming even now and proclaiming to you the good news of the coming of the kingdom. The kingdom is coming. Get ready. 
Repent and accept my words. And he is proclaiming that word over and over again and demonstrating in his healings what this kingdom of heaven is like. And he says, and I know that among the wheat, among those who will receive this, there will be those who will not receive it. And so then you might wonder, are those weeds going to choke out and destroy so that there will be all weeds and no wheat? Will this field get overrun with weeds so that there will be no harvest? No, don't worry about that. Because though the kingdom starts out small, and Jesus would go and he would tell his 12 disciples and he would tell those who were around him, those who would accept it would then go and they would tell others. And that little tiny kingdom began to grow. And it grew and it grew and it grew. Until it reaches the point where anyone who will come to it will find the nourishment and the rest that they need. And he begins to tell another story. And this is the story that he says. He told them another parable. The kingdom of, kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Now, I, I happen to like to bake, and so I, I mixed together some dough this morning. And when I mixed together this dough, I took the yeast and I mixed it up. A couple of teaspoons. And I mixed it into a few cups of flour and added some water and a couple, uh, some milk because of the type of bread I'm making, but could have just been water and salt and yeast and flour. That's all you need. And a little bit of it was about that much. And trying to get the timing right this morning was tricky. Because as I was sitting here, the, the, it was about to here, and now we've gone to there. And if we're not careful, we might blow the lid off this before the morning's over. But it doesn't take very much yeast. And it mixes its way through the whole dough. And before I really got into baking, I, I wondered, how did they do that in Bible times? Where did that yeast come from? Because if I want yeast, I go to the store and I buy a packet of yeast. And then I started learning about bread and where yeast comes from, and I found out that you don't have to take any yeast at all. You don't need to get any yeast from the store at all. If you take water and you mix it with flour, the yeast is already there. The yeast is already in the flour and it's already in the air. All you have to do is stir the water with the, with the flour and let it go. That's it. Now, had I done that, I would have had to have this illustration next week. Because it takes a little bit longer if you just start from water and flour. And so what you do when you're using sourdough is you save a little bit of that dough from the previous bake. So if I took some of this dough and I held it aside, I could bake this into bread, and next time I take the little bit that I held and I mix it in with flour and water, and that yeast then mixes through all of that, and it grows and it grows. 
and I don't have to wait a week because I just mix a little bit from the one before and that yeast is already active and already growing and already moving until it permeates the whole dough and it causes the whole dough to rise. Now at this time, they didn't understand exactly how that works. They just knew if you mix flour with water, it grows. And if you hold some from last time and you use it this time, it grows faster. But we can't see it. We don't see the yeast. We don't see the leaven. We don't see what's happening. It's just this force that we know is there and it's permeating the whole dough. It only takes a little bit, but it mixes in through the whole thing and it begins to permeate the entire dough and the whole thing grows and expands and it affects the whole thing. And Jesus is saying, now the kingdom of heaven is like that. You may not see the force that's at work. You may not see or understand what's going on, but it is permeating. And it only takes a little bit. This small band of followers of Jesus is going to permeate the whole dough. The entire world is going to get infected and permeated by this little band of followers of Jesus. And that was the promise that Jesus was making in this story. At that time, he had a couple of ragtag followers that were following him that didn't understand anything about anything. In fact, every time he tells one of these stories, they afterwards go, what the heck are you talking about? We don't understand. How come you keep saying that you're going to die? That doesn't make any sense. I thought you were going to be the king. When is your kingdom going to come, Jesus? And Jesus says, I'm trying to explain to you. It's already here. It's already working. It's already beginning to permeate hearts and minds. It's already beginning to move from person to person. It's already beginning. It's just very, very small right now. And do you know what advantage you and I have today? We can look back and see how that grew and grew and grew from a very small group in a very small area in a very small country in the middle of the world to grow to be more and more and more and more and more as the good news that Jesus is proclaiming about the king, coming of the kingdom gets passed from person to person to person. And that unseen force that we can't understand or see is the Holy Spirit at work in the hearts and minds of people that is transforming them and bringing them into the kingdom of Jesus. So that we are seeing it affect the entire world so that those of us who live very, very far away from Israel, we are the edge of the earth away from Israel. Yet we have this story here. We have this kingdom here. And I was looking as the pastors were talking this week about this and what this looks like as it permeates the whole world. We were talking about uh, some of our missionaries and the work that they are doing around the world. And we were talking about the uh, missionaries that we have working with Wycliffe Bible Translators. 
And so I went and I looked because what, what, what Cliff is trying to do is get the word of God, the good news of Jesus, the good news of the coming of the kingdom into the heart language of every person in the world. And so they are translating it. And they are up to 94%. 94% of the world has the word of God, the hope of the good news of the coming of the kingdom of Jesus in their heart language, their mother tongue, 94%. And they are hoping in the next couple of decades to have that be more like 99%. It is an amazing thing to see the kingdom of God at work. Because Jesus, the humble king, has come to do it. And in verse 34, it says, All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundations of the world. Now, we read that at the beginning of the service in Psalm 78. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. And that psalmist in Psalm 78 is talking about the things from of old. And he goes back and recounting the glorious deeds of the Lord going back to Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And that one man had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. To it becoming a nation, being delivered out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery, and given a new land, and all the way to its climax in the beauty of the kingdom of David in Israel. Its glorious heyday. And now Jesus is quoting this, but he changes it just slightly. Because here, when the psalmist says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Jesus changes that and he says, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. He's not going back to the sayings of old. He's not going back to Jacob. He is going back to the very beginning. And at the very beginning, there was an idea of the coming of the kingdom of heaven that was hidden and not understood. And now Jesus is telling in parables to help people understand what this kingdom is all about. In the intervening time, you had the promises to uh, Jacob and to David about that kingdom of Israel. But Jesus is saying, but I am revealing what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. I am revealing now a different kingdom. I am revealing now the kingdom of heaven. This kingdom of which the kingdom of Israel and King David was merely a foreshadow. It was merely an idea, a foretaste of what this kind of a kingdom would be. David was a great king, and yet he was not me, Jesus is saying. 
I am going to be the great king of the great kingdom, the eternal kingdom, and I will welcome all who will come to me. And he is going back further than Psalm 78, all the way back to the foundation of the world, and is going back farther forward than the psalmist in Psalm 78 was going in the nation of Israel, and he is going all the way forward to the anticipation of the full coming of the kingdom of heaven in Revelation. At which point, Jesus will be revealed to all the world as the great king. But you and I know it even now, as the word is going out, as the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, is going out and is permeating the whole world. It is growing, it is growing, it is growing. And this is the hope that you and I have. That because Jesus was humbled and he said, all who come to me will find your rest. We know. We know that those who are weary and tired of walking in this world, this kingdom, those of us who are tired of our sin, those of us who are weary of trying to make all things right, we can come to Jesus and find nourishment and rest. Because Colossians chapter 1 says this, For He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. This is the hope I want to leave you with this morning. This hope of the kingdom of heaven, a place where we find the redemption of our sins because we are entering into the kingdom of Jesus, that humble servant of a glorious king, offers to you, come. Come and find your rest in my kingdom. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you. We praise you for being the king of heaven. The one who has reigned on high for all of eternity. And Lord, we see now in this world in which we live a kingdom of darkness. Where we begin to wonder if the light might not get choked out. And so, Father, we ask this morning that you would refresh us, that this good news of the kingdom of heaven would permeate our souls, that it would work within us, that the Holy Spirit would be at work within us to transform our lives, that we personally might bear much fruit. And then, Lord, we ask that as it spreads within us and through us, that the Holy Spirit would be at work in this world, that we might see more and more turn away from the despair and the pride that are associated with the kingdom of darkness, that they might not get cut down, but that humbly they would come to you repenting of their sin 
and we might see the kingdom grow in them as well. And Lord, now as we anticipate in this time of Advent, the coming of Jesus, we recognize that we are anticipating his coming a second time. And in that day, he will come and make all things right. And so we ask, Lord, would you come quickly? Amen.